2019, it sounds, it just doesn't sound possible. <laughs> you know, I used to always, I think I would pride myself on, on being, you know, flexible and adaptable and I'll change and transition. That doesn't bother me. That's no problem. Yeah, that's not so true anymore. The, 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 the older I get, the more I'm realizing I'm, I'm becoming a creature of habit, which I think is probably par for the course for many of us. Um, but I, uh, I've ha- I was having this conversation with someone recently, um, physically older than me, um, mentally much younger than me, um, about how fast time is, is moving and I can't keep up. And I was commenting about, oh, I've been here 12 years now and I just can't believe it's gone by, by like that. And this individual reminded me, well, um, Gary, I, I've been here 40 years and... Uh, it has gone by like that. Um, but I just can't keep up with how fast time moves along and how rapidly things change. Things change, for me, again, I th- as I'm getting older, I'm becoming more of a creature of habit. Um, time is, is moving so fast and things are changing, changing so quickly. I can't keep up, I'm struggling to keep up. My two-year-old smartphone is already obsolete. I, I can't, like, I can't even keep up with technology. Things change so quickly. I came across, this was a while back, I came across a, um, a book title uh, called Future Shock, written by a guy named Alvin Toffler. And I, when I went to look at the copyright date, like I'm thinking, I know exactly what he's talking about. Think, time's moving so fast, things are changing so rapidly. The copyright was 1970. I mean, this was almost 50 years ago. He was dealing with this same thing. I, you know, he's talking about um, can't keep up with how fast things are changing and how, how um, fast time is moving along. Just kind of funny. Um, but in that book, Alvin Toffler makes the case that when people go through rapid times of change, they need what he terms islands of stability. Those things in your life that are constant, that do, that do not change, that you can cling to, that you can look to, that you can point to. I know that is steady, that is constant, that is not going to change despite all the rapidly changing things happening all around us. <clears throat> I do believe that God has created us um, to be adaptable and flexible, which convic- convicts me a little bit when I think about how um, inflexible I'm becoming as I get older. I need to do some work there. But, but when everything seems to be coming unglued in our lives and the winds of change blow through our lives unexpectedly, we do need to have something that we can look to and point to and cling to that does not change. We need to have something um, about which we can say, I can count on this, I can depend on that, I can count on this. These things are steady and stable and they're not going to change. But, but is there anything like that in our world today? Is there anything that never changes. Are there truly any islands of stability? My guess is there are probably things in your own life that you thought were unchanging just two or three years ago that have already changed and weren't as reliable as you thought. My smartphone, two years already and it's obsolete. But is there anything in our world that never changes? Well, you know, maybe, maybe not in our world today. But as we look to the Bible, we are reminded of a few things that will never change, and we can find islands of stability in the scriptures. And the first one of those this morning, three things that never change. Number one is God's love. God's love will never change. 
In Malachi 3, verse 6, God says, I am the Lord and I do not change. There's a, there's a theological term for that. It's called the immutability of God. That's just a big fancy word I learned in seminary that means God doesn't change. He's not going to change and he never will change. God will always remain the same. He's the same right now today and he's going to be the same tomorrow and beyond that into the future. Why does God never change? Is it that he can't? Is it that he's stubborn and he doesn't want to? Is, is God stuck in his ways? Why, why does God never change? Some of you know the answer to this. God never changes because God is perfect. And because God is perfect, there's no need to change. Can't get any better, can't get any worse. When you're perfect, there is no reason to change. So God says, I am the Lord, your God, and I never change. And then he says this in Jeremiah 31. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. We were created to be objects of God's love. You and I were created to be loved by God. You want to know why you're here on this earth? You were created by God to be loved by God. We were created to be loved by God by God. His love is continuous. His love is consistent. His love is everlasting. The Bible says that God is forever unchanging in his love towards us. That is very good news because while God is very consistent, I am terribly inconsistent. And the Bible teaches me, the Bible reminds me that God loves me just as much on my good days as he does on my bad days. God loves me when I feel it, God still loves me even when I don't feel it. God loves me when I think I'm close to him and doing the right thing, and God loves me when I'm far from him and doing the wrong thing. God's love never changes because his love isn't based on my performance. His love is based on his character. So no matter what, God's love never changes. It is consistent, it is continual, it is everlasting. No matter what happens to you today, tomorrow, next week, anytime in this new year of 2019, there's one thing you could be sure of. God is not going to stop loving you. What's the point about that? Well, the point is this. We always get ourselves into trouble when we begin to doubt God's love. Always. <laughs> I never need to doubt his love for me. There, there are a lot of things I could worry about. There are a lot of things I can question. There are some things that I can doubt but God's love isn't one of them. That's one thing I can count on. It is dependable. That is not going to change. No matter how I feel, no matter what I've done, no matter what I've said or thought, God's love is based on his character, not on my performance, and it's not going to change. I'm sure many of you are familiar with Romans 8.38. Um, Great verse that Paul writes. I want to read it from Eugene Peterson's The Message. This is how he paraphrases Romans 8.38. He writes, Nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love. That means that when you go to bed tonight, you can be confident of the fact that when you wake up tomorrow morning, God will not have changed his mind about you. God is still going to love you. You will never be loved by God any more or any less than you are at this very moment because God is perfect. God is never changing and his love is not going to change. That is something 
you can anchor your life to. Number one, this morning, God's love will never change. Number two, God's word will never change. God's word will never change. In Isaiah 40, verse eight, we read, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. It is timeless. It is enduring. It is eternal. It never withers. It's always fresh. It doesn't get stale. It doesn't have an expiration date. It never goes bad. We believe that God's word is eternal. It will guide us today and it will lead us into the unknown future despite what changes and challenges come our way. God's word will never change. David writes in Psalm 119 verse 152, long ago I learned from your decrees that you established them to last forever. God's word will last forever because it is eternal. Jesus said it like this, heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away. When, when the astronaut Alan Shepard was, was getting ready to go up into space for the very first time, a reporter asked him this question. He asked him, what are you depending on for this flight? And I love Alan Shepard's answer. He said, I'm depending upon the fact that God's laws do not change. What a great answer. Those laws do not change because God's word does not change. What if the sun only rose twice a week? What if gravity only worked every other day? I, I'm, I'm thinking our lifestyle might be a little bit different if that were the case. But God does not change and God's word never changes. In, in the same way, God has established some moral and spiritual laws for the universe as well. God, God gives these boundaries for our own good. When we ignore God's moral and spiritual laws, we don't break them, they break us. We get hurt, we get wounded, we become scarred. Every time I ignore God's laws, I'm hurting myself. Those laws are there for my benefit. When I go against what God says, it causes stress, it causes worry, it causes guilt, it causes anger, it causes conflict in relationships every time I go against God's laws. So God says to you and he says to me, I want you to listen to my word. I want you to listen to my word. Do you know what the, the, the most basic fundamental temptation is? It's, it's the same temptation Adam and Eve had in the garden, the same one we deal with on a regular basis. It's the temptation to doubt God's word. We, we hear it like this. D did God really say don't do that? Did he really say I should avoid that. Did he really mean that? If the enemy can get us to question God's word, we're, we're, we're gonna fall for anything. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So Jesus is saying that if you wanna have a stable home, you've gotta build it on an unchanging foundation. You've got to build it on a rock. You know, quick, quick, quick aside here, when I'm um, preparing a, a message, I usually have a song or two that I, I wanna make sure um, the band sings during a worship time. I didn't do that this week. <laughs> I didn't ask Tanya, hey, let's make sure we sing this song to go along with the message. If I would have done that, I would have said, hey, we need to sing Firm Foundation. We sang Firm Foundation this morning. I didn't, I didn't request that, 
perfect song um, to go along with this. That's what I would have asked for if, if, uh, if I would have ha- asked Tanya to sing a special song. We have to build our foundation on the truth of God's word. It is never changing. The, sa- the same is true for our lives. If we want to build our lives in a way that is solid, that handles the stress that comes with difficult changes, we, we better build it on the truth of God's word because it is bedrock. It's not going to change. God's word is never going to change. Popular opinion is going to change. Psychology books are going to change. What the sports radio talk show hosts talk about is going to change. God's word isn't going to change. Everything else changes. The word of God does not change. So if you want stability, build your life on the truth of God's unchanging word. God's word never changes. Finally, finally this morning, number three, God's purpose for my life will never change. Have you noticed how often your plans get changed? Why, why, why does that happen? Why do our plans often get changed or thwarted? I, I, I think there's a couple reasons this happens. Number one, we, we can't see the future. We can't predict the future. And again, things change so rapidly, we, we struggle to keep up with those changes. So none of us can know what's going to happen tomorrow, much less five or 10 years from now. The other reason our plans often get, get changed is because we don't always have the means to pull it off. We, we might have great ideas and great plans, but maybe we don't have the time or the money, the resources, the energy or the power to pull it off and to make it happen. But God never has to change his plans. Why? You know the answer to this one too. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is perfect, so God never has to change his plans. He already knows everything that's going to happen, and he already has the power to do anything he wants to do, so God never has to change his plans. And his plan for you and me has never changed, and it never will. Now, now since God says, I made you for a purpose, and that plan doesn't change. That, that brings up two very good questions. I, I've, I've asked this first question, and maybe you have as well. Question number one, can I get back on track after wasting years of my life? The answer is absolutely yes, you can. I'll never forget when I, I, I became a Christian as a 21-year-old uh, j- junior in college at Penn State University. And the first year of, of being a Christian, I really wrestled and struggled with my teenage choices and decisions and lifestyle, and I wrestled with that. I had a lot of guilt um, in relation to that. And I'll never forget one of, one of my mentors from, from Campus Crusade for Christ, he, sh- he showed me that verse, um, Joel 2.25, which says, he shall restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. And yes, I'm absolutely taking that way out of context and applying it to my life (laughs) to help me and encourage me um, to be reminded that God will restore to me the years that I I wasted where I could have been serving him. Again, the question, can I get back on track after wasting years of my life? Absolutely, yes, you can. Psalm 3311 says this, his plans endure forever. His purposes last eternally. That means that no matter what has happened in your life, God's purpose for your life has not changed because he is unchanging. His purposes never change. Some of you may say, you know what, you, you don't know about that moral blowout I had five years ago. You, you don't know about that, that sin, that horrible decision I made where I took the wrong turn in life and I, and I made all those mistakes and wasted all that time. You don't know. 
Well, maybe I don't. Um, but again, in preparation for this message, God has reminded me over the past two weeks or so that regardless of what has happened in your life, in the past or in the present, God will never give up on any one of us. We may turn our back on him. We may turn our back on him and walk away, but he will not give up on us. He will never give up on any one of us, and he never will, no matter what. Question number two, what, what, what about all those awful things that I've done? What about, what about all those bad decisions and poor choices I made? What about those things that I regret that I wish I could go back and have a do-over <laughs> and change and do differently? I love what Paul writes in Romans eight twenty eight. He says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. Doesn't say in some things. It doesn't say in only the good things. It says in all things. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Doesn't say all things are good. No, that would be crazy. (laughs) Not all things are good. There's a lot of evil and heartbreak and brokenness in this world. I've experienced it and I've caused some of it and so have you. It says in all things God works for the good. He can take evil and tragedies and mistakes and moral blowouts and turn them around and bring something good out of them. That's what he does. He loves to take our crucifixions and turn them into resurrections. That's what our God does. Remember, Jesus came, (laughs) Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. That's why he came. So what is it about change that scares us? When you think about the changes that are happening in your life, even, even right now, what is it that is so stressful and causes us, causes us to say, you know, I don't know if I can handle this. Well, regardless of what it is that causes a great deal of stress, we, we can learn from David who wrote these words in Psalm 46. I trust in you, God, so why should I be afraid? And later on he says, God is our refuge and strength, a tested help. A tested help, that means he's proven reliable. A tested help in times of trouble, and so we need not fear even if the world gives way and crumbles into the sea. Psalm 56, one and two. The truth is I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what this new year 2019 holds, and neither do you. But these three things I know, God's love, God's word, God's purposes, these three things I know are not going to change. These are three islands of stability that I can anchor my life to in this new year despite whatever changes may come my way. I know this, God will never stop loving me No matter how unlovable I may feel, God will never stop loving me. Number two, I know know that God's word is always true. Always true. It may not make sense all the time. (laughs) It may uh, not be very popular in our world today, but God's word is always the truth. And number three, I know that God's purposes are much, much greater than my problems. God's love, God's word, God's purposes. Anytime I start doubting these three things, I get myself in trouble. When I start doubting God's, work, God's love, I start disobeying him. When I start doubting God's word, I tend to do my own thing. 
And when I begin doubting that God has a purpose, I start saying, why are all these problems happening to me? Why me, why me, what's going on? And I begin to doubt that ultimately he is in control of everything. So if you wanna face the future confidently and live out this new year 2019 victoriously, all you need to do is respond because it's not automatic. It's not automatic. We need to respond to the grace that is offered to us. We're gonna do that in a moment as we receive the elements of communion together. But we need to respond to God's love. God's love, God's word, and God's purposes are never changing. We need to accept God's love, believe his word, and commit to his purposes. It's that easy. A, B, C. Accept God's love, believe God's word, commit to God's purposes. If we can do that, we will be able to handle and overcome any fear, stress, challenges that come our way as we face the many changes that will continue to happen in our lives in this new year and far beyond. As I said, we're gonna receive the element of communion together this morning, so I'd like those who are assisting uh, to please come forward and prepare to serve those elements. Just a few words of instruction uh, before I read the communion liturgy for us. Um, we practice open communion in the Church of the Nazarene, which means you do not have to be a member of this local church uh, to receive communion. All those who desire um, to follow Christ and serve God are invited to receive this communion meal together. And when you come forward to receive the elements, I ask you to exit your pews by the outside aisles, receive the elements, and return to your pews by the inside aisles, and please hold them in your hands until everyone has been served, and then we will partake of the elements together. The communion supper instituted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a sacrament which proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death and resurrection and the hope of his coming again. It shows forth the Lord's death until his return. The supper is a means of grace in which Christ is present by the Spirit. It is also to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins, and believing in Christ for salvation are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. In unity with the church, we confess our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And so we pray, Holy God, we gather at this your table in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and established the new covenant for forgiveness of sins. We live in the hope of his coming again. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, 
gave thanks, gave it to his disciples, and said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these, your gifts. Make them by the power of your spirit to be, to be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Would you please stand and come forward and receive the elements this morning. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you, may it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you, and be thankful. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, shed for you, may it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these gifts and we pray that by your spirit you would make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you please stand to receive the benediction this morning? May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, put you together, spirit and soul, body and mind, and make you fit for the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Go in his strength today. God bless you. Amen.